0: Welcome
1: to the Andrea
0: K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred
1: two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. This is not Andrea Kay. For those of you listening in that first hour, you know that this is DJ Sesame Broccolini up in the, his house. Happy to be here. Happy Friday. It's a it's a good day. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling blessed. Life is good. Life is great. We have some very interesting stories for you. A lot of, a lot going on this week. Um, I'm not sure if you've been paying attention. I hope that you have. If not, you are in store for uh, a real treat. We're going to start the top of the hour with this continuation of our conversation about the police state, about censorship, about political polarization in this country, which is really undermining any sense of national unity that we once had. Um, And I'm not sure how we get through this. I'm not sure exactly what the path forward looks like. But I know that this current dynamic, the tension in the air, the fact that we are at each other's throats, violence in the streets, violence in D.C. with the FBI and the D.O.J., Something is just not right It's not sustainable it's It's really sad, and it just feels like we're we're sort of losing this republic and its essence and everything that makes us american and that brings me to this very weird interview that Hillary Clinton just gave. I'm not sure if you saw it. I hope that you did. If you didn't, let me just uh preface this because we do have a clip for you. you're going to love it um but she uh she sat down. Um, you know, this former presidential candidate, uh, former secretary of state, you know, all about her, I'm sure. Uh, and I don't need to to bash on her. I don't like her politics. I don't like her personality. I don't find her to be likable really in any way, but really more important than her and her, her image is what she's saying. The ideas, because ideas have consequences, right? That's why people want to control the narrative because ideas mobilize people. Knowledge is power. That's how this country works. And totalitarian regimes know that. And that's why they take control of the media, of journalism, entertainment, and education, because they want to control the way that you think and therefore what you think. And we see this all the time, especially in modern America, and especially when it comes to contentious elections. And it seems like Hillary Clinton hasn't really gotten over the fact that she did lose a free and fair election in 2016. She did lose. I'm sorry, not everybody wins elections. That's just life. But it feels like she's kind of uh, still sore about it, pretty salty. And here she is on CNN basically saying she wants to brainwash anybody who supports former President Donald Trump. And she said all of his supporters are, well, basically members of a cult. One giant cult. Anybody who opposes her or the uniparty establishment in Washington is framed as a radical, as an extremist, as a conspiracy theorist. But the funny thing about so many of these conspiracy theories in modern times is that many of them become reality. Yesterday's conspiracy theory is today's reality. And that's exactly what we see here because she's giving away the game. She wants to deprogram you. She wants to control the way that you think, the way that you see the world. She wants you to see the world through her eyes and think about the world with the framework that she uses. She she wants to impose this vision onto people and basically punish one half of the country because they don't support her. And here she is, a prominent, lifelong Democrat on a news organization that's basically a mouthpiece for the Democrat Party. Um... Ahead of the next election, trying to frame Donald Trump as a radical. Why? Because he speaks about rebuilding a robust economic engine. He wants to secure the border. He wants to go after drug cartels. He wants to eradicate uh, corruption at the FBI and the DOJ and the IRS and the DHS and the DOD. It's all about power, folks. This is why this interview is happening right ahead of the next election. That's why she's coming out with these comments right now. The timing is critical here. So, look, just listen to this clip. I want to play it for you, and you'll hear my thoughts when we come back. So uh, let's just hear it.
0: There wasn't this little tale of extremism waving, you know, wagging the dog of the uh, Republican Party as it is today. Mm -hmm. And sadly, so many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members.
1: What did you think of that? I really am genuinely curious. A formal deprogramming of the cult members. You know, for what it's worth, I don't even give any credit to a term like extremism anymore or fascist, because in reality, these terms are used so casually all the time without any real weight behind them, and it just doesn't feel meaningful anymore. I've been called a fascist. I have somebody, I have a militant leftist call me a fascist every other day, practically And I want to be clear here because there is a distinction between someone like Hillary Clinton and liberals, true Democrats, people that you can debate with. We used to have that kind of a society. You see it in somebody like RFK Jr. That is a tried-and-true, through-and-through progressive. He and I do not agree on many issues, but I respect him. I would definitely love to speak to him. I think he's got some interesting ideas. And this is a free country, okay? I'm not trying to criminalize somebody because we don't see things eye to eye but that's what she's trying to do she wants to make it a federal crime a felony offense to basically think anything that she does not approve of the regime must approve of everything that you say everything that you do everything that you think everywhere that you go that's what totalitarian totalitarianism is it means in totality, all of your life, everything that you do, everything that you say, everyone you engage with, what you do for work, what you eat for dinner, when you go to bed, when you wake up in the morning, what God you pray to. Maybe there is no God. Maybe you have to worship the state. And maybe that's that leads me to what's next, right? I mean, we start throwing people in prison over ideological differences. What's next? Racial differences, age differences, economic differences? Where does it end? This is, a, this is a dangerous precedent, but it is also a very, very slippery slope. And I'm not sure if she sees that. I suspect that she, uh, she's probably aware of it. But I will say this for, for Hillary Clinton. She is a true politician. She is a pro at peddling pro-establishment propaganda. She is so good at these sit-down interviews with quippy one-liners about how everybody who disagrees with her is a fascist or an extremist or a terrorist. It's really disturbing, and it does make me wonder... How are we supposed to have one nation together as, you know, Democrats, Republicans, old people, young people, tall people, short people, hot people, cold people? How can we live together with this kind of a force? I mean, the the broader idea here is antithetical to everything that the founders cared about, to everything that they fought for, and everything conservatives are trying to protect. And I'm just not sure where it ends. The slippery slope is incredibly concerning it happens very very quickly uh it's it's a lot easier to go from two to three than it is from zero to one so once this ball gets rolling who knows where it's going to stop formal deprogramming what does that mean what does that look like are you going to start uh holding people hostage are you going to literally seize control of schools via the department of education are you going to send in the military to local communities to shut down libraries, are you going to turn off the internet somehow and make sure people can't get information so that way they can't think for themselves? That's the thing, okay? Freed Freedom of thought, okay? I know where I stand. I'm comfortable with my conservative ideology, with my philosophy, with my values, with my culture, with my heritage, with my lineage. I, I, I'm comfortable where I am, and I would love... To be able to engage in debates with people who call themselves progressives or liberals. Because I think it would be fun. But these days, that, that's the thing. We, we just We've come to a place where principled conservatives, the David French types, will say, let's just play the left's game and go along with whatever they want to do in hopes that maybe they will spare us later in their violent revolution. And I, I guess that's the that's the thing so many people miss these days is that we've got a lot of tolerance on the right and a lot of intolerance from this militant faction of, of leftists who are not liberals, who are not Democrats, but militant leftists. I'm talking about Antifa. I'm talking about that New York City professor, the college professor, who ass- nearly assaulted students in her own classroom because they had a pro-life display. And then... A reporter with the New York Post went to her apartment after class and he identified himself and she took out a machete and she put it to his neck and she threatened to kill him. And then she chased him around the building, out onto the sidewalk, out into the street. That's the kind of person I'm talking about. And unfortunately, we have many of those people in the classroom and many of those people in the government. And they're weaponizing the institutions against law-abiding, hard-working, tax-paying Americans like you and me. Many people who just want to be left alone to live our lives, to work our jobs, put food on the table, provide for our families. We have hobbies and social lives. But you can't have that with a radical ideology in power because a radical ideology requires conformity, absolute conformity, which leads to the rise of a totalitarian regime in which they control what you say to whom you say it. When you say it, you are not a citizen with rights. You are a subject of the government. You will do as you're told you will own nothing. You will think nothing. You will be a mindless drone, a lemming, and you will be happy. All right, everybody, we're coming into the end of the first segment here in hour two on the AK show. This is DJ Sesame Broccolini. Please stay with me because we've got a lot to talk about okay there's a lot going on in the news this week and i just want to make sure that we cover all of the bases so please make sure that you stick around we're on am 1170 the answer san diego this is dj sesame broccolini going into the break stick around for segment two
0: dynamite in a dress or just andrea k whatever you call her she's on the answer san diego
1: this is dj sesame broccolini happy friday the best day of the week no doubt well, unfortunately, it's not a, a great day for uh, for some folks, some Christians in Armenia, who uh, I know a little bit of a change of topic here. But uh, you know, I'm a Catholic, and I'd like to talk about some of my brothers and sisters, uh, you know, of, of God, who are who are in Ar- in Azer- Azerbaijan. Actually, um, we have this article from Council on Foreign Relations. It's an interesting piece, but. Apparently, there are about 120,000 ethnic Armenian Christians who have been living in what is now present-day Azerbaijan in the South Caucasus region of where Europe meets Asia for a long, long time. Apparently, this is their indigenous ancestral homeland, and uh, they are being forcibly evacuated in what is uh, an open ethnic cleansing. That is the stated goal is to get all of the Armenian Christians out of the country uh, to basically destroy any remnants of their civilization or any proof that they actually existed and lived there for a long, long time. Um, This is a Muslim-majority country, which is interesting because... Actually, I think it's about 99.2% of the population in Azerbaijan is technically Muslim. Islam is their main religion, but I don't know if it's their their national religion. I know plenty of uh, Muslim folks who are totally peaceable people, but I do think it's interesting that many progressives, lefties will say – that Christianity is bad and that Islam is, uh, well, the religion of peace. And I just find it hard to believe that for a lot of reasons based on the Quran versus the actual scripture in the Bible and based on my own lived experience. And that brings me to my, my main point here is that Christians are the most commonly persecuted religious group. Around the world, whether it's Sudan, whether it's Armenia or Azerbaijan or Syria, we all know in 1915 there was an Armenian genocide um, and we see that same sort of pan Turkism coming back where people say we want to expand Turkey, the Turkish identity, the Turkish state, and we're going to forcibly kick out people in order to do that. So just, you know, to be clear here, ethnic cleansing has garnered lots of different definitions over the years. But the U.N. says it's basically a purposeful policy designed by one ethnic or religious group to remove by violent and terror inspiring means the civilian population of another ethnic or religious group from certain geographic areas, i.e. get all of the ethnic ethnically Armenian Christians out of azerbaijan which is unfortunate and by the way we've given azerbaijan the u.s government about i want to say in the neighborhood of 40 million dollars in aid uh in recent years um and i believe that Azerbaijan's actually giving some of that money back to ukraine <laughs> so um and ukraine's being very very silent about this so is samantha power from USAID, who's written a book about uh genocide and ethnic cleansing she's being very very quiet about it i don't know if it's because these people are christians That's kind of my theory here is that the world doesn't really care necessarily about ethnic cleansing. If it's the cleansing of people who are religiously Christian, regardless of what ethnicity they are, that's what it really feels like, which is sad. And that's the world on a woke ideology for you because these are children of God. These are human beings. It doesn't matter what their color or creed is. That's about the content of their character. Um, and my heart, my, my Catholic heart breaks for these people. It truly does. Um, And I also just think it's important because, look, we talk about how far can a police state go, how how brutal can a totalitarian regime be, because it feels like in in the Western world we are heading for some sort of. Resurgence of the same totalitarianism that we saw in the 20th century with Benito Mussolini and with Franco in Spain. Um, And it's incredibly concerning. Uh, But at the end of the 20th century, we had defeated basically communism, Nazism, fascism. The only thing left on the table that seemed to work was democracy. And it's gone okay, but it's not going great. Uh, But that's not an argument for some totalitarian regime. But it's this, it's this kind of instability which creates the conditions for some sort of strong man totalitarian figure to rise up through the ashes like a phoenix and swoop in and centralize as much power and control and authority as possible and then exercise that and, and basically uh, subdue the people, subject them to, uh, well, horrible living conditions. And sometimes people are subjected to death or to execution, or to exile. And that's exactly what we're seeing here with this ethnic cleansing situation. The the people are jam-packed in their cars. You have thousands and thousands and thousands of, of people, ethnic Armenians, going back to Armenia right now uh, on the highways. There's not a lot of them, not a lot of highways or roads, so these poor people are stuck, and the lines are so long the cars are jam-packed, bumper-to-bumper. Bumper. Look this up, by the way, if you want. This is very interesting. If you're curious, please go look online. Look at the pictures. The images are so powerful. These people are waiting in lines that are miles and miles and miles long. The, long, the lines are so big and so dense and so long, you can see them from space sometimes. And it's just unfortunate. I don't know where the US government officially stands on this but it's really unfortunate to see 120,000 people over the last 2 weeks getting out of Azerbaijan as quickly as possible and the stated goal here again is to basically eradicate the Armenian population in that country and just for those of you who don't know it's it's very very uh It reminds me of the Armenian genocide in 1915 when people were marched in death marches across the Syrian desert um, in an effort of ethnic cleansing and that's what happens when you have unchecked government rule complete abuses of power power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely this is why the founding fathers of this country argued for small government for limited government for checks and balances for separation of powers and for strong communities of people who are capable of self-governance and preventing tyranny from engulfing all of society but that's what we're seeing in Azerbaijan we're seeing it in the western world where we're seeing a militant hostile takeover of the Western world and really the global community. And it's just sad. People are getting innocent people who have nothing to do with these bigger, broader political dynamics are caught in the crossfire. Families, workers, people who might have friends and families in both countries, Armenia and Azerbaijan, which of course sits between Russia, Iran, Turkey, and Georgia which is very interesting for a lot of geopolitical reasons, as you might imagine. But what's most interesting to me here is the fact that this is a giant warning to the rest of us in the Western world, because this is what happens when you have totalitarianism and we in the West are on the way to a totalitarian-like regime. And who knows, maybe one day Christians in America will be forcibly exiled just like these Christians in, in Azerbaijan are being right now. Who's to say this couldn't happen again somewhere else? People are cruel. People will do this to each other. It's just incredibly disgusting. And that's why I talk about this stuff so much. I don't want people to take what we have for granted in America, this idea that your, your rights come from God and the government is created solely to protect those rights, which are codified in a constitution, which is a legally binding document for everybody, regardless of who you are. This is a very novel and noble thing that the founding fathers created, that the sons and daughters of liberty sacrificed themselves for. And I feel like we're just throwing it away. I don't know about you, but there are so many people, particularly young people, who are just giving up. They're giving up on life. They're giving up on patriotism. They're giving up on America. They don't want to fight for anything anymore. And it breaks my heart. It makes it very, very difficult for me to sort of relate to a lot of my peers because it's like, dude, what what are you doing? What are you doing with yourself? Look, we, we have to recognize what we have here in America is exceptional. It's precious. I don't want to see this kind of horrible ethnic cleansing anywhere in the world. But I, I, again, I talk about this because I could see something similar happening in the Western world, in the, in the modern developed postmodern world at some point in the near future. It could be an ideological purge. It could be a religious purge. It could be cultural. It could be geographic. I'm not sure exactly what, but look at the way the government treated the people of Maui. Or the people of East Palestine, Ohio, where the toxic chemicals spilled because of a downed train car. This government already abuses its own people. Um, and I'm afraid that maybe we are on the road to this kind of overt ethnic cleansing or civil war or Mao Zedong-style struggle sessions in the streets. Secret police, gulags for journalists, everything. All right, everybody. Look, it's been... It's been really really tough to talk about this kind of thing having said that we are uh it's important that we do this I don't always love talking about this stuff it's difficult to hear it's difficult to think about it breaks my heart but it is important and it can teach us a lot so I'm glad that we did this and by the way please we're going into a break here but do not be a stranger stick around we'll be coming back this is the answer San Diego AM 1170 DJ Sesame Broccolini filling in for Andrea K. we'll be right back
0: Andrea K bringing the world a much needed reality check. You're listening to the Andrea K show on the answer San Diego.
1: I'm sure you all miss Andrea. I know that I do. Uh, but here we are. You me And Dupree here to talk about some interesting news coming out of the city of San Diego, my hometown. I love this place. Born, raised here. Spent all of my, uh, most almost all of my life here. 99.99% of it. And I'm very thankful to be, uh, to have been born and raised in, in San Diego because it's just such a beautiful place with lots of beautiful people and interesting things to do. And... There's some interesting stuff going on with a local health care provider here in California and in uh, the city of San Diego throughout the county. More than 75,000 Kaiser Permanente Union workers across five states and Washington, D.C. are back out on the picket lines. They were out today for a second day demanding more staffing, better wages, better treatment, better patient care. Apparently, uh, some some people here, there's a lot of different folks, therapists, uh, social workers, administrators, uh, and a lot of these workers, union union workers, are saying the strike is about patient care. Some of them have gone on record saying that uh, they're understaffed, which means they're really prone to making errors and needless mistakes, and they're not able to provide the care that they promised to members this is very interesting. Keep in mind, Kaiser Permanente is a not for profit healthcare provider. They are an incredibly big not for profit healthcare provider. It seems like their CEO is generally doing well. And here's what I'll say. I'm not a big labor union advocate, I'm really not. I don't like the amount of power that labor unions have in this country. They're incredibly powerful. They use that power in to weigh into politics, to influence elections, to to influence public policy. We saw that with teachers unions during COVID. We see it all the time. But my heart does go out to these these strikers simply because it does seem like it is genuinely about providing better Care to patients. I don't know about you. I've had an incredible amount of experience uh, directly and indirectly in the healthcare system in this country. Look, I'm not going to sit here and Rattle, you know, rattle off leftist talking points about American health care because I just don't think that that's good. I don't buy into it. I'm not really a fan of the Obamacare regime at all. I think it's actually made the problem a lot worse for very specific reasons, and some of that is based on the word of people I know that work as other doctors or pharmacists or administrators in the healthcare care industry. Um, having said that, our, our health care system is flawed. It's not perfect. There's a lot of perverse interests in there. We got big pharma. We got lobbyists. We got dubious, nefarious activities going on at the FDA. There isn't really any regulation or uniformity. It's it's not ubiquitous. It's not really user-friendly that much in many ways, in my experience. I don't know about you maybe you 've had better experiences. I hope you 've had better experiences than I have um, not to say i haven 't had any good ones i 've got some great doctors, great primary care, different g i like people I get it okay i don 't want to i don 't want to paint with too broad a brush, but I do want to hammer home this point that these people in this particular instance are gaining some of my my empathy i guess and again i 'm not a union guy i don 't really like union culture i don 't really like strikes. I think oftentimes it 's counterproductive and it distracts people from the real issue at hand, the underlying problems. but it seems like this strike right here they 're happening in California in Southern California. It seems interesting okay local local outlets are covering this, um, and it says that negotiations between Kaiser Permanente and union workers. For a new contract, we'll uh, started back in April, but uh, I guess it took Kaiser a long, long, long time to come to the table. At first, they were not willing to compromise at all, and now they are seeing the impact of that rigidity. I guess that's really what's that seems to be what's going on. Again, this is a not-for-profit healthcare provider, but they did rake in three billion dollars in profits in the first six months of this year, twenty twenty-three, and the CEO is being reasonably compensated. It's you know uh, seven figures, it seems like, um, and that's not to say that he's a bad guy or anything. I don't know anything about the CEO other than what he's making according to these figures, if they are true, if these reports are accurate. But what I can say is that this healthcare system is flawed. We do have some systemic level issues that are going on. Not everything is systemic. I know progressives overuse that word. They abuse it, they misuse it, they tire it out. Everything to progressives is, you know, systemically racist or systemically biased, but that's that's not really how the world is generally speaking, but when we're talking about this particular model, the modern-day American healthcare system, we do have some systemic problems. Let's be clear here. There are some issues that need to be sorted through here. And just because I point out those issues doesn't mean I'm going to advocate for socialized health care or for Obamacare or government-run health care. That's not what I'm advocating for at all. I want to see a truly free market system when it comes to health care. I want to see more competition, less government intervention, because the government has been getting involved the last ten years. This federal US government has completely revamped and completely radically changed how we do health care, what we charge for healthcare services, logistically, how it operates. The system has changed in many ways, and I believe that systems like Obamacare have created some really wicked problems and we're feeling the reverberations of those and one of those reverberations is the fact that healthcare is so so expensive even when you have good insurance even when you have a good employer a great employer nobody on earth can keep up with these crazy medical bills Um, and I don't think it's fair to name him but someone in my family who was very very close to me uh, passed away just a couple of years ago actually from A different cocktail of cancers lung cancer brain cancer Uh, it started as stage four kidney cancer and I did a lot of hustling and caretaking as well as my family my immediate close family we did a lot for this person um, that we knew that we loved very very much and I learned a lot about the the Absurdity of dealing with everyone from oncologists to insurance companies to different insurance companies to different pharmacies for different medications and different hospice companies and it's very very complicated it's needlessly complicated it's wastefully complicated um, it needs to be streamlined, simplified it should be much more effective and efficient because we have this behemoth of a healthcare system and what do we have to show for it? Because we certainly do not have an overwhelmingly healthy population. And that includes myself, unfortunately. It's like we, we don't have these incredible healthcare outcomes. Life expectancy isn't going up, at least not anymore. So I do wonder, where is all this money really going? What is it really all for? Is it for the fat cats, the CEOs? I don't know. That's what some of these union workers are saying about, uh, about Kaiser Permanente. And I'm not really sure, but... Apparently, Kaiser said their hospitals, their ERs, and their pharmacies will remain open during the strike. These workers are planning to finish out their three-day planned strike tomorrow uh, or today, I guess, on Friday, allegedly. Um, Hopefully, according to this report. Um, They're unsure if they are uh, going to come back to the bargaining table. Uh, Apparently, progress is slowly continuing. So we'll see. But... It just seems like these these hospitals, these ERs, these urgent cares, they're incredibly understaffed. And you see that across the healthcare system, a massive demand for more staffing, for competent nurses, for for uh, nurse practitioners, not just for doctors, but for nurses and nurse practitioners, which are trained to do a lot more than what you might think because there's a demand for it. We need people that are quick on their feet, that are smart, that are good with patients, and it does genuinely seem like these these strikers want the very best for, for themselves, but also more importantly for the patients they are serving. And generally, I've heard Kaiser's a pretty good company. I don't know much about them or their history, but I will say this. Because again, I'm not a big union guy. I'm not a big strike guy. I don't really like that culture. I don't really like that negotiating tactic. I think it's kind of a publicity stunt that's not ever really uh, that's rarely done in good faith. But that's why I'm talking about this because this seems like an exception. It seems like these people are not striking for no reason. It seems like they are genuinely trying to bring both sides back to the table to reach some agreement. I don't know what that agreement looks like. I don't know what the specifics are, but. I do think it's interesting. Um and I say that as someone who's very rarely sympathetic with giant labor unions because it's political. They throw their weight around. They they overturn elections, they they manipulate people, they dispel propaganda in many cases. I don't like the stranglehold that labor unions have on many workers in this country and the working class. Having said that, I think I think these people have a good point it seems like and uh that's to say that look Things that life is more complicated than I want it to be Sometimes life is more complicated than we think And this is very interesting and Please go read more about the story because Who knows we we all can agree That better patient care in this country Better service and reducing costs Is priority number one so thank you everybody We'll be right back
0: Andrea K. telling you Like it is while eating a donut too It's the Andrea K. show on the answer San Diego
1: This is DJ Sesame Roccolini. coming into the bottom of the hour here. Kind of like this music. All right, nice vibe. Again, happy Friday. I hope everybody's had a great week. I really mean that. I did. I learned a lot. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the news, including this local story. Just to stay here on this this local thread because I want everybody to know to know about what's going on in the community uh, and. I just love San Diego so much. I love talking about it. I love talking about, you know, how great it is to live here. The beaches, the sunset, the atmosphere, the people. I love everything about this place. But... We still do have our fair share of problems, especially considering the people that run this town. Uh, that's a wink and a nod at Mr. Mayor Todd Gloria, who I don't really, th- I, I don't really have a whole lot of respect for Todd Gloria or uh, the, politi- the political coalition around him, um, many of whom I know through various political work of my own in the area. But that's okay, because still, this is our city, and I'm trying to solve problems here, and we've got a bad homeless problem in this, in this town. It's getting worse by the day. The migration, you know, situation crisis on the southern border is making things worse. COVID made things worse. We've got fentanyl now on the streets. We've got this new zombie drug called Trank. Not sure if you've heard of it, but apparently they're cutting fentanyl with Trank and you have streets full of people that are passed out like zombies and many of these people are homeless. And this problem, it's not new, but it's been getting worse. The last 10 years, we've seen a really big spike in homelessness here in San Diego throughout the county, not just in downtown or in the city proper, Um, in many, many neighborhoods, even up into parts of northern San Diego County. um, Local businessman George Mullen proposed a little while ago recently the idea of Sunbreak Ranch, which would be theoretically a remote camp for the homeless population in san diego to be housed the the weird kicker though and again the fact that it's coming down to local businessmen because the government's completely dropped the ball. The local government, the city, is really dropping the ball. They don't have any ideas, it seems like. It doesn't feel like they have any good solutions for addressing this homelessness problem, which has been getting worse and worse over time. And I don't. I think a lot of people care, but for some reason it's not a political issue that's deemed to be expedient. And our fellow citizens, our fellow Americans many of whom might be veterans or, or people who are just down on their luck are, or people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol who need help are basically left on the street year-round to rot. It's not Christian. It's not good. It's not American. Um, my heart breaks for these people. I, I can't even imagine how difficult it must be to live your life on the streets all the time. You can never go home. You don't have shelter from the elements. And it seems like a lot of people just don't care. I mean, the San Diego Democrat Party is very big, very powerful, very influential. But where are they? Why are they not doing more? Why have they not been doing more? Where is the sense of urgency when it comes to getting these people off the street, getting them back into civil society, getting them back to God, bringing them back into the fold, into America? Um Look but anyway because the government's dropped the ball we have local business people that are making suggestions um I'm not sure how I feel about this remote camp but apparently it would have this Sunbreak Ranch uh would involve potentially people from the Marine Corps um but officials at the at the uh, MCAS Miramar Air Base have not been uh necessarily interested in this idea uh the concept did get some support from certain leaders uh in san diego including basketball legend bill walton um who once came to my elementary school actually and gave a very interesting talk here in san diego but mullen this guy george and his supporters aim to lease their goals to get 500 acres of land at miramar mcas miramar to house and serve all homeless people in the area with an estimated cost of nearly 300 million dollars per year it's interesting isn't it i don't know exactly how it would work i know that uh marines uh or at least you know the commander of marine corps air has rejected the proposal to house homeless people on military land, um, and apparently there's lots of reasons that go into this. I don't know exactly what those are, but what I what I will say is that this homeless this homelessness situation, this epidemic, we see it throughout San Diego County, throughout Southern California, throughout the whole state of California, throughout the country. It's not sustainable. It's not Christian. It feels like we're living in a post-Christian America where we have a very low regard and value placed on human life. But these are human beings, our fellow Americans, many of whom, by the way, are veterans go go actually speak to a lot of people in the veteran community there are so many homeless veterans in this country especially in this town because we've got you know lots of different uh marine communities air force navy uh army marines um so i understand why people in that situation find themselves in san diego county but man it's so frustrating to watch the city just completely drop the ball when it comes to addressing this crisis I'm not saying it's the military's fault for not accepting this idea about building out Sunbreak Ranch. But the fact that we have to rely on ideas to come from local business people is is just, you know, the government wants more power. They're constantly telling us, give us more power, give us more money, give us more time. But what do they do with it? They squander it or they abuse it or they weaponize it. They victimize people. (laughs) And it's like, at some point, the government doesn't solve our problems. They just subsidize them. They just create them. They manufacture problems. We've got thousands of homeless people here throughout California, but especially in Southern California, because there's a lot of space and the climate's good. And these people are just left on the streets to rot. It's like, where's your family? What happened to your friends? Where's the state? Where's your local congressman or your mayor or your city councilor? I don't know, everybody. It's just really, really tough. But hey, look, I'm running out of time here. I could go all night because there's so much happening. But I just want to say again, happy Friday. It's been great to be here. This is DJ Sesame Broccolini here on the Andrea K Show, filling in for Andrea. She called on me. I answered her call. I'm very, very happy to be here. It's been so much fun. I hope you all have a have a good weekend, okay? Put your phones down, turn off your computer screens, try to spend some time with friends, family, get some rest and relaxation, and hopefully it's going to be beautiful here in Southern California. And again, this is DJ Sesame Broccolini for The Answer San Diego. I will see you all on Monday.